Praise God, praise God. It is good to have all of you in the house of the Lord, and I, I appreciate we have I've been blessed to um, have several men, my father, Brother White, Brother Reagan, and, um, <clears throat> and Brother Rogers at one time, and of course, Brother Spires as well, passed away. Um, that have been pastors and then several ministers and that are individuals that have gone to Bible school, some that are not, uh, that have just gone and attended and are uh, well-versed in the Bible and, and they uh, love the Word, study the Word, and I, I um, <clears throat> you know, get... Um, I know I feel the same way. I, I want to read. I want to study. And Brother White gave me a card tonight of an author that I, I don't know that I've read. And, and he writes some about John. And I uh, am kind of excited to read what individuals write. I know some of it you have to take with a grain of salt. And uh, when you read somebody, not all the things that you read are are necessarily, you know, um, uh, possibly accurate, but uh, in general, uh, most if you if it's based in the word, usually it's it's pretty good. And uh, I I appreciate uh, all of you that have been studying the word. And I know it's a Wednesday night, and Wednesday nights we have Bible scholars, and I I don't want to overwhelm you with simple of God's Word, but it is very uh, powerful. We started last week talking about um, the Gospel of John and <clears throat> looking at uh, John's Gospel, the fourth uh, Gospels. The word Gospel, of course, meaning good news and how that John quoted Ezekiel and referenced Daniel and he was very, he started his book much like the book of Genesis, the first chapter, in the beginning. And that's how he started. It was obvious John was a Jewish scholar. And I think the important thing to remember, and I've had people uh, ask about the use of some of the language in the Bible that we reference. And um, I, I think it's important to remember that all of the New Testament, all, 100% of the New Testament was written before 333, uh, A.D., which is when they established the doctrine of the Trinity, and so the Council of Nicaea. And so when you think that John did not, he was writing to Jewish believers. He was writing to people that believed in one God. He was writing to people that he was proving that Jesus was the Son of God or the Messiah. And a lot of times people get confused at that whenever they read some of those things and then they try to 
go back and uh, it's much like what we do today when we try to put back an interpretation on what our own forefathers, if you will, uh, wrote about in the Constitution. And I've, I've listened to the arguments whenever, even on famous amendments that the right to keep and bear arms and people would say, yes, but that doesn't mean a big clip but that doesn't mean an automatic weapon, but that they didn't know about, and they go through and they talk about all the things that that didn't mean. And I, I understand there's some of that's important and necessary and important to try to uh, figure out and limit and whatever you wanna do and set laws. I, I get that, but um, you know, obviously, uh, it, it always um, is interesting. I, I uh, oftentimes listen to um, uh, old-fashioned detective stories in my car when I'm driving, and and uh, you know I will get intrigued when they say, uh, "We've got to find a phone. Do you have a dime?" And I'm thinking, man, that were those were the days, you know. And uh, they, they say, well, we got the license number, but it'll probably take a week to find it, you know. Uh, go through all the records and we'll have to call New York to find, you know. And I, I'm like, wow, uh, now all of that's online, boom, 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 you got it and it's, it goes forward. So uh, anyway, um, yet the, the, the Gospel of John is tremendous, and I, I'm going to try to hurry through some stories that really deserve being spoken about for a long time and an entire lesson talked on them. But John, the second chapter, we finished the first chapter. John, the second chapter starts, and the third day. There was a marriage in Cana of Galilee, and the mother of Jesus was there. Interesting that it's on the third day. Uh, most of the Jewish um, uh, scholars believe that's a, an important distinction, that it was on the third day because uh, they started uh, that, um, you know, um, that it was... Let me see, if you go back to Genesis, that uh, he called the morning and the evening and the morning the first day, and then the second day was the firmament, and then on the third day, he goes through, and he saw that it was good, and that's the first time that it says, and he saw that it was good was on the third day. So they believe that it was a blessing, if you will, to be married on the third day. That starts the good days, that God saw that it was good. And so oftentimes they would start it then and they would run it all the way to the Sabbath. So four or five days they would celebrate and uh, stop the evening before the Sabbath. So uh, here they were and Cana of Galilee, the mother of Jesus, both Jesus was called and his disciples. In other words, he was invited to come to this. He didn't crash the party. 
I heard one, someone one time say, you know, with all the extra guests, he ran out of wine. And that's not what it says. This was the third day when they wanted wine. The mother of Jesus said to him, they have no wine. Now, it's interesting that there's no mention of Joseph. Was Joseph already deceased at this time? Probably. We don't see Joseph mentioned anymore. And you would have thought Mary would have said something to Joseph because Mary did not say to Jesus, go perform a miracle because he hadn't been doing miracles. That's what the Bible says. We're going to read it that this was his first miracle. So it wasn't like, and I know I've, I've read where people talk about the little boy Jesus would pick up birds and heal their wings and let them go. And they had Jesus doing all kinds of, you know, neato things, you know, just, you know, kind of like Superboy. Um, but the Bible doesn't bear record to that. Doesn't say that. So, you know, if, you, if somebody tells you, well, you know, Jesus was uh, walking on water uh, from a little boy, well, it doesn't show that. It shows that he was raised. In fact, the Bible says that he submitted to the authority of his parents. He obeyed them. And so uh, she calls uh, Jesus, and my guess is that she probably... Um, wanted him to go buy some wine or go to a shop owner and get some wine thinking he, his disciples, maybe they had some money. He had already called disciples. Maybe they could go and say, hey, we're running out. We need to get some wine and uh, for the party and we, we're about to run out. And it, she doesn't tell him what to do, but uh, Jesus' response was he did not address her as mother, and yet he, we knew that she was his mother. He respected her. In fact, when he was on Calvary, what did he say? Mother, behold thy son. And then looking at John, son, behold your Mother, so Jesus was not being disrespectful here uh, when he said, woman, what have I to do with thee? And, and then he said, my hour is not yet come. That hour being probably reference to the crucifixion. But his, uh, what his mother did was she said to the servants, servants, whatsoever he saith unto you, do it. Now, an important phrase. And why would he say, what have I to do with thee? It wasn't, again, that he was being uh, disrespectful, but um, it was uh, along the lines of the time when he was 12 and he they said, Whoa, where have you been? Where have you been? We've been on our journey down to Nazareth and we couldn't find you. And one thought the other, and you remember, and he said, didn't you know? I must be about my father's business. And so they were like, he wasn't being disrespectful, but it was like, I've got a spiritual purpose that's bigger than a sideshow. Okay, And if the sideshow takes preeminence over the spiritual part, 
we got problems. And Jesus was saying, woman, what am I to do with thee? And I know there are, uh, and I've always been, you know, uh, healing crusades and miracles and pulling fire down. And I'm not opposed to anybody going and praying and being prayed for and all those things. But there is a depth of spirituality that is more important than your body being healed or that your party goes successful. <laughs> you know? And when you stop and think, and I... And like I said, we pray. We, I, I pray for healing. I believe in healing. I believe that the Lord will heal. And, but yet I, I mentioned the other day, we pray that you prosper Sunday as your soul prospers. If your soul is sick, which would God rather heal? You know, and I understand we can get very intense. Oh, Lord, my cousin, my dad, my uncle, my brother's first wife's cousin's nephew's dentist's hygienist on the third side. And that's fine, but what should I first be interested in? Lord, save their, their soul. And that's basically what Jesus was saying. He was saying, hey, what am I to do with thee? In other words, I'm, I've come, what had he come for? To seek and to save that which was lost. It's not wrong to pray. They will always call us to pray. I say us, people that know God, they will call. People will say, well, you know, would you pray? Yes, and we do. But I tend in my own personal prayer, you don't have to do this, but when I get a prayer alert or when I get a prayer request and it says pray for Cousin Boudreaux, I say, Lord, touch Cousin Boudreaux and let this be what brings him to an altar of repentance. Why? Because that's more important if he's going to Perish, go out, saved. Amen. Don't, you know, and maybe that's too harsh. Anyway, that's basically what Jesus said. And his mother talked to the servants and said, servants, tell him whatever he tells you to do, I want you to do it. And then uh, we know that there, this was a social problem. It was a, it was a natural problem. This was not a spiritual problem that we can see. Although what was amazing is Jesus turned it into something spiritual. Isn't that how? he's always able to do he's able to take things that are not spiritual turn them right into something spiritual so here was he was interested in inner cleansing inner purification not making wine and yet so what does he do he could have said all right there's going to be money reach dig in that hole there you're going to find uh, 50 denarii, go take that to the local wine merchant and bring back some wine. So what did he do? How does he do the miracle? You know the story. He finds these six water pots made of stone and they were there for 
the mitzvah or the, the cleansing, the washing of hands and feet because they didn't have running water. They couldn't turn water on. And it was, there was a, a, before you eat, after you eat, there was that sense of washing and cleansing. And so this outward body and for the purifying at the manner of the purifying of the Jews. And John identifies that in the sixth verse. There were six water pots of stone, not seven. They were six and they were made of stone after the purifying of the Jews. Why is that important? Why is it important that they were made of stone and that they weren't made of clay? Because if you've ever gone to China and you drink tea uh, in China, they have a Chinese teapot. It's a clay pot because over the years as you steep that tea, that tea seeps into that clay and you are tasting the essence of tea brewed in that pot for a hundred years, 50 years, 75,000 years, whatever they say it is, that pot is. Not glazed, it's a teapot. Now, why would that be important? Because, you know, that tea is absorbed into the clay and you can even do it with glass. I don't know if you've ever done this. I've, you know, I've sprayed my cologne and man, didn't have but one shot. It's a glass bottle. And if you'll run it under hot water, not put it in it, but just run it under hot water, Sometimes that glass will release a little bit and you can spray another shot. Did y'all know you could do that? Y'all probably, when it gets low, just throw it away. Anybody know what I'm talking about? Hope you haven't been doing that with a wine bottle, but anyway. But these were stone, so they hadn't absorbed anything. These weren't the clay jars that wine was kept in. So you put water in this rock, it's not gonna, you know, we could have, you could have argued, well, he put water in the wine pots and there was still enough wine in there that it mixed up and looked good and, huh? But not this, you knew. And they were big. They have anywhere from 20 to 30 gallons of water in them. So you know what a big five-gallon jug is? And there would be like four of those huge pots. We used to have some pots here, but they were pottery. They were clay. And when they, he said, fill them up to the brim. And then what did he do? Do you remember? He didn't say, Hocus pocus, drink the mostest, abracadabra, zappity doo da, wine. He didn't do anything. He made no show. He didn't. He didn't. He, he wasn't trying to make a show. He wasn't trying to, you know. And so when when somebody has to have a big show and a production for a miracle to take place, I always go, I don't know. Maybe, that, maybe the Lord doesn't need all of that for the lights to be low and the music to be, I don't know, whatever. I, and believe it or not, there are some people that get into that. You know, wow, that, I understand it can build your faith and you're anticipating something, but the Lord doesn't need to do all of that. 
Okay? You know, that's fine. You can do it. But you know what? I, <laughs> I, 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 we pray for people up here, and I, I believe in miracles, but I fully believe that probably there are some people that are sitting in the congregation that can pray the prayer of faith, and that's what does the healing, and it's not me putting the oil on them. Anyway, just all of us together. So, anyway, here, here I got to go faster than I'm going. I don't want to get bogged down into this. He just basically said, fill them up to the brim, bring it to the ruler of the feast. He did. And that's when this guy that was a ruler of the feast or the one that was in charge, he was, you know, he called the bridegroom over. He's the one that makes this big to do. And the Bible says the servants knew where, where it came from, but nobody else knew. And he makes a powerful statement in the 10th verse of John, the second chapter. Every man at the beginning doth set forth the good wine. Then when you well drunk that which is worse. And now Thou hast kept the good wine until now. A very powerful statement was made by the governor of the feast, and that is, we call it put your best foot forward, you know, do your best, and we know that, you know, when you first get a job, you work your hardest the first two or three weeks, four weeks. Uh, they say the most productive weeks that you have at the job after that is the week before vacation because you want them to all remember how, you know, good you were and, and whatever, and you got to get everything done, and we do our best. But uh, he said you do, and, and that's the way life is with, you know, uh, a job, with a computer, with a phone. Uh, man, the memory lasts a long time when you first get it, and everything does great. And then after about six months, you're like, man, I have to charge it eight times a day, uh, whatever. And Anybody know what I'm talking about? And I think maybe they add the apps that just eat the battery or whatever. I don't know. But by the time, you know, then the new one rolls out is, Man, I got to have that. I, I need one of them because mine just, I, well, I mean, it's just not lasting. You know, what, what's, what's going on? I got to get a new one. And then when you get the new one, it's the latest, best, greatest. Oh, but it won't be long. Huh? Anyway. So he said, that's the way man does. But you know how God does? Saves the best for last. We're going to go out of here with a shout, with the voice of the archangel, with the trump of God. Get sweeter as the days go by. You know, living for him. You say, well, it, it was hard. I, it, yes, I understand. And then it says in verse 11, this beginning of miracles uh, did Jesus in Cana of Galilee, and you could reason why he did it there and manifest his glory and the disciples. What was important about this 11th verse, this caused the disciples to believe him. They had been following this guy. They had heard him say things like, I saw you under a tree. I did this, but now first, this is the first miracle. And so the miracle was important. And of course, it was with 
uh, the water into wine. There are seven miracles. All have great importance as to uh, the fact that Jesus was the Messiah. And you say, well, what was it about this miracle? Well, if you were a Jewish scholar, Isaiah, the 25th chapter, and verses 6 through 9. Here's what Isaiah 25, 6 through 9 says. In this mountain shall the Lord of hosts make unto all people a feast of fat things, a feast of wine on the lees. In other words, the best wine, of fat things full of marrow, of wines on the lees well refined. What Isaiah said, the Lord is going to make this feast and it's going to be the best. And he will destroy in this mountain the face of the covering cast over all people and the veil that is spread over all nations. He will swallow up death in victory. And the Lord shall wipe away tears from off all faces. And the rebuke of his people he shall take away from off the earth. For the Lord has spoken it. And it shall be said in that day, Lo, this is our God. We have waited for him and he will save us. This is the Lord. We have waited for him we will be glad and rejoice in his salvation. So this miracle was almost a direct quote from Isaiah that one day the Lord would make a feast of giving the best wine and the people would recognize this is the Lord. And yet did they? No. What did they say? Isn't that Joseph's boy? We've known that boy. Who's he think he is? Huh? Somehow, even though the word spread of this miracle, they did not equate it. Now, there were some that did. Some of the Pharisees, some of the scholars, and you will read. And he went from there to the temple and those that sold oxen. Everybody notice this. Everybody say oxen, oxen. sheep, doves, and the changers of money. They were all, those four groups were sitting there and you could talk about those groups and what all of those things mean. And when he made, he ties a whip together and he goes in through there and he drives them all out of the temple. And notice very carefully, the sheep and the oxen and he poured out the money changers table and overthrew those tables verse I don't know 16 I think it is and then what did he do what did he do said unto those that sold doves take these things thence. Now, I've seen lots of plays and the kind of exciting thing is when they knock the doves over and they just fly off. But Jesus didn't knock the doves over. 
He didn't release the doves. He booted the sheep out. He booted the oxen out. He threw money all over the floor. But he said, now you take these doves and get out of here. So when you think he was out of control angry, he wasn't. Number one, he was very calculated in what he was doing. You know how hard it is to get sheep back or oxen or to pick up your money? A lot harder, maybe impossible to catch a dove that's gone. Jesus was not there to just destroy. He doesn't steal, kill, or destroy. He comes to bring life. He comes to bring peace. He cut. Oh, yeah. Did he do it? Yes. And I always like it in the play when they throw them and the doves go. And we did forgiven years ago, and we used to have these little homing pigeon things, and we never let let them go either. But the point was, you know, here it is. Have doves. Why? Because. That looks nice, you know, when they fly off. And probably some of you are like me. You've seen funeral homes do that. And somebody drive by and hit them in a truck or something. <laughs> or they hold them too tight and they open their hand and the bird fall over dead. And you're like, oh, how pitiful. But that was, Jesus took, had them take the doves away. And when you study this out, you've, I've preached on it, taught on it, what's amazing is that what, they were in the court of the Gentiles and they were keeping the Gentiles from being there. And he basically says, my house shall not be a house of merchandise, but it's going to be, in another one of the versions, a house of prayer. And the disciples said, they remembered the story, the zeal of thine house hath eaten me up. So when, when people say, well, you know, I got mad, I cussed them out, I threw things across the room, I knocked them down, I broke their phone, I put my fist through the wall, and I told them, Jesus got mad. Make sure you realize Jesus didn't destroy. Don't blame Jesus for your mad. That's probably what you wasn't Jesus. Anyway, so the disciples remembered how the zeal of the house and what happens was they came to him after this second chapter and they said, what sign would you show us concerning how, why you're doing these things? And it's like, you know, I've already shown signs. And Jesus answered and said unto them, destroy this temple in three days I'll raise it up. And the Jews that took umbrage with that, they, you know, took us 46 years to build this and you think you're going to raise it up and in three years this is nothing. And the disciples remembered that statement later after he was crucified and rose again that he spoke of the temple of his body. That, and so when you get down to the 22nd verse, same chapter, second chapter, when therefore he was risen from the dead, the disciples remembered all of this. They believed the scripture 
at the word which Jesus had said. Now, when he was in Jerusalem at the Passover and the feast day, many believed in his name when they saw the miracles that he did. Verse 25 and 24 and 25, important verses that John puts in that chapter. And it says, but Jesus did not commit himself unto them because he knew all men, not some men, not some of the people, but everybody. Say, Jesus knows everybody. <laughs> and he even knows me. <laughs> and he needed not that any should testify of man, for he knew what was in man. What are you saying? Are you saying that people can be guided by the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, the pride of life? Yes, sir. Are you saying that they can act out of greed and covetousness and yes, anger, murder, wrath, huh? Oh, I would never. Let me tell you what's in us all. The works of the flesh are these. That's why I, I, I can't look down my nose at anybody. If not for the Holy Ghost. Huh? Oh, and I, I know we see the atrocities of the battle and we go, I couldn't do that. And yet... Given the rage now that's building and been brewing and how people have been telling folks and giving vent to that, giving place to that, it can get a hold of anyone. And you say, well, I'd never do. Be careful what you say you would never. Jesus said, I know all men. And this is why you say, well, Pastor, how do I deal with that? Well, that's where you have to just simply, you got to be real and say it's there. I got to keep, I got to communicate. I got to talk. I got to have boundaries. I can't let myself go there. I got to draw a line. I got to say, I'm sorry. I, I'm, I'm just worn out. I'm stressed. I'm over. I'm full. I, I'm going to have to pray. I can't deal with it anymore. Huh? Better to just be honest and humble. I'm sorry, if you keep talking to me, I might say something that I, huh? Oh, I wouldn't do that. I wouldn't, don't let them know that you have hum, humanity in you. Oh, really? Guess what? It's there. Jesus knows all of us. The only thing for us to do is stay full of the Holy Ghost enough to recognize when I start acting in the flesh and not in the spirit. That's why, you know, you read 1 Corinthians, the 13th chapter, love, 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 and then <laughs> of his kind, is patient, doesn't believe any evil report, blah, 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 blah. And then he says, you should love your brother. And I, I can tell you, I, I don't always, I, well, sometimes I just get a mad on, huh? 
And he knew, Jesus knew that, you know what? If somebody could make merchandise off of him and get him, you know, he, he, he understood. For the Bible says he knew what was in a man. So as you go forward right into the third chapter, there was the story of Nicodemus. And Nicodemus is going to show up in John 9th chapter and then John the... Uh, maybe it's the 10th chapter and the 19th chapter. Nicodemus is going to try to put the brakes on the Pharisees when they're uh, wanting to challenge Jesus. And then uh, Nicodemus is later going to ask for his body uh, with Joseph of Arimathea, and they're going to bury Jesus. So Nicodemus was a ruler of the Jews, was a what we would call a secret disciple. He came to Jesus by night. Why? Because he didn't want everybody to know. He was a Pharisee. And he says, Rabbi, teacher, we know thou art a teacher come from God because nobody can do the miracles you're doing except God be with him. So they were listening and seeing and watching these miracles and believing this has got to be something supernatural. So sometimes when God heals and God touches and God's delivered, it's for a testimony to the power of God. And if you don't tell somebody about it, it's like, wow. You know, you, you need to testify about it. Look what God's done for me. Look how God's helped me. You don't understand. He brought me out. I was, I was a mean old snake. <laughs> Whatever. God set me free. God delivered. And so... Jesus answered and said, truly, or verily, 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 truly, truly, I say unto you, except a man be born again, he cannot come, he cannot see the kingdom of God. And then Nicodemus answered him and said, how can you be born when you are old? Can you go back to your mother's womb and be born again? Is that how you're born? And Jesus goes on to say, no, except a man be born of what? Water and spirit. He cannot enter the kingdom of God. Then he says something very important. That which is born of flesh is flesh. That which is born of spirit is spirit. Then he says, marvel not. <clears throat> Years ago I heard a, a young preacher preach about God being against playing marbles because he said, Jesus said, marvel not. It's not marvel not. It's marvel not. But anyway... Uh, <laughs> he had a whole doctrine. You shouldn't play marbles. I used to bring marbles to school. This kid says, you're not supposed to play marbles. The Lord said, don't marvel. You're not supposed to marvel not. And I said, I kept looking. I found out it wasn't marbles at all. It's marvel. Marvel not. And I said unto you, you must be born again. Then he said, the wind blows wherever it wants. And we hear the sound, we can't tell where it comes, and so is everyone that is born of the Spirit. And when the day of Pentecost was come, what did they hear blowing through the upper room? Sound of a rushing mighty wind that filled all the house where they were sitting. So here he goes, and 
very important verses that you keep reading, one that we often, John 3, 16, we get to and we love. And Nicodemus said, how can these things be? And basically Jesus sort of was not, I guess, politically correct. And he goes, how can you be a master of Israel and not know these things? He said, truly I say unto you, we speak that we do know and testify that we have seen and you receive not our witness. If I have shown you these earthly things and you don't believe, how would you believe if I showed you heavenly things? And then verse 13, a key verse that Nicodemus understood when Jesus said to him, but you went too fast. I, I, I said 13. Go back. Might have been 12. I can't. 12. And no man, very important, no man hath ascended up to heaven, but that came down from heaven, even the Son of Man which is in heaven. Now Nicodemus knew what he was speaking about at that moment because he was a student of the Old Testament. And when Jesus said, nobody goes up to heaven and then comes down except he that is in heaven comes down. Now, you can go back to Bethel and angels descending and ascending and the order in which they were coming. But the real key is found in Daniel, the seventh chapter. Because this is what Daniel said, and Nicodemus knew it. Daniel said, I saw in the night vision, and behold, one like the Son of Man come with the clouds of heaven and come to the Ancient of Days, and they brought him near before him, and there was given unto him dominion, glory, kingdom, all people, nations, languages should serve him. His dominion is an everlasting dominion and shall not pass away and his kingdom that shall not be destroyed. So the Jews believe that there is going to be a Messiah, but that he was going to come down from heaven. And so what Jesus was saying is, if you really believe that I'm the Messiah, you have to believe that I came from heaven. That I'm not earthly. Because your prophets say I'm coming. Now, you know, we would say, well, that's talking about Daniel didn't see the church age and that's talking about when the Lord comes back for Armageddon and wipes the plate clean and for all this trouble that's brewing right now in Israel, you know, we would go, that's what he's talking about. But I'm going to tell you, Jesus has already fulfilled that verse because he came to anyone, all languages, all people, with dominion because Jesus goes right into the next verse and says, as Moses lifted up the serpent in the wilderness, even so the Son of Man must be lifted up. Now what was he talking about? The snake. 
that they put on a brass pole. Go ahead now. Now go to the next slide. And whosoever believeth in him should not perish, but have eternal life. In other words, what he was basically telling Nicodemus is the Son of Man is going to be put on a pole, and that's going to be what's going to give you the victory over the snake's bite. And who was the great serpent? From Genesis, the third chapter. So, <clears throat> then when you read, for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that whosoever believeth in him should not perish but have everlasting life. He was talking about Daniel's prophecy, the son of man coming from heaven down to earth then going to be lifted on a pole. Wasn't a separate God. For God sent not his son in the world to condemn the world, but there was only one reason God would come down and then subject himself to be lifted on a cross was so that we could be saved and have access into the presence of Almighty God and have a relationship with God himself. What a privilege. What a privilege. He that believeth on him is not condemned, but he that believeth not is condemned already because he hath not believed in the name of the only begotten Son of God. Next slide. And this is the condemnation that the light has come into the world. The light has come into the world and guess what? Men love darkness rather than light because their deeds were evil. For everyone that doeth evil hates the light, neither comes to the light, lest his deeds be reproved. But he that doeth truth comes to the light, and his day deeds may be made manifest. That's why he's talking about confess, repent, be honest, be real, be able to say, I'm sorry, I was acting like a, a, a human. I was acting like I didn't have the Holy Ghost. Forgive me. I, I want my deeds to be open. You say, well, I, I, if they, they don't know, what they don't know won't hurt them. It'll kill them. It'll kill you. People that try to cover up. You say, well, I, I don't want to. Hey, listen. He that doeth truth comes to the light that his deeds may be manifest. You don't have to have somebody find out. If you're waiting until somebody finds out what you're doing, you're in the wrong business. So, well, I don't want to tell them they get mad. You know what? You better tell the Lord and repent and change your ways. I'm not saying you got to testify to everybody, but this is what Jesus was saying. Be real. Don't be afraid. Come and say, hey, here it is. I, I need help. I need prayer. I need, oh, Lord, help. Huh? Say, well, pastor, oh, it's 8 o'clock. I'm, I'm hurrying. After 
after these things came Jesus and his disciples into the land of Judea, and he tarried with them and baptized, and John was also baptizing. And I know some people say, how could it say that he was baptizing when he wasn't baptizing? And you go through, and if you read the first couple of verses in John, it said, Jesus did not baptize but his disciples. That's on the last slide. But basically, he said, he that believeth and... The Son hath everlasting life. He that believeth not shall not see life. And then a, a phrase in verse 36, the wrath of God ab abides on him. It's another verse that I, am, I take comfort in because I say, Lord, save me from the wrath that is to come because it's coming, folks. It's coming. Then when you bump into the fourth chapter, you will see that while John says that Jesus is, that John's, the Baptist disciples started arguing about, and isn't it like, not, none of us, thank the Lord, but I have seen people that just relish asking questions that they know are going to get somebody in trouble. Diabolical. Now, did you, did you think, do you think that Jesus is taking some of your disciples, John? And you know how John answered, I must decrease, he must increase. You know, John was able to handle it for a long time, but then he got in jail and he got depressed because he wasn't, he didn't think he was going to have to die. And it was as if he was, and then you know, at the end, he kind of got offended. We're going to see it, the Lord, but, oh, hallelujah. When you're in pain, you can easily get offended when you're overwhelmed. But, praise God, it's 8-0-whatever, something. Let's stand. I was going to try to get through the fourth chapter, but I knew I was never going to make it tonight. But we did two and three. We're going to try to hurry. <laughs> but uh, the word of the Lord is awesome. Teaches us a lot about how to connect with Jesus. That's what it's all about. Let's thank the Lord for his word. Lord, I love you. I thank you for your many blessings. I thank you, Lord, for your word. I thank you, Lord, for your spirit. I pray that you will use us. Keep us humble before you. I need you, Lord. I need you to lead and guide and strengthen and touch. I am human. I need your spirit at all times in the name that's above every name, in Jesus' name. Salute somebody, shake their hand, Jesus' name.